everybody loves a parade, right? They are colorful and festive. They bring us together to honor and to celebrate. Everybody loves a parade, whether we're watching it on television or we're there in person. Well, many years ago, I had the opportunity uh, to attend the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And my friends and I uh, chose to watch the parade at what we soon learned was a tricky intersection for maneuvering the balloons. Uh, there were, it was, a, it was a tight corner and there were a, a number of trees. So we would watch as the Macy's employees um, tried to get their balloon through that, that particular uh, turn. Um, and we spectators, we tried to be helpful, shouting out um, instructions and suggestions. There's no doubt in my mind that we made the situation worse, but it all was great fun and an experience I will never forget. Everybody loves a parade. Today is Palm Sunday, uh, the day we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Crowds spread their cloaks, they wave their palms, they form a parade. Hosanna, they shout. It's a celebration. Jesus has finally arrived. We too bask in the glow. Everybody loves a parade. Until it's over. Now, if you march in it, you are tired and you somehow have to make your way back to the beginning of the parade route. Uh, if you attend the parade, you have to fight the crowds to get back to your car, and then you have to fight the traffic as you head back home. And then there are the people tasked to clean up after the parade. It takes 75 sanitation workers and 15 officers from the New York City Department of Sanitation uh, to clean up the more than 40 tons of debris that line the streets after the Macy's parade. That's 40 tons, a lot to clean up. There isn't much glory after the parade. After the parade, we return to our non-celebratory life and we get back to work. It can be rough, it can be challenging. Over my desk at home, I printed out the following words. I'm here to get it right, not to be right. Now, that's a quote from author and researcher Brene Brown. When I heard it for the first time, it hit me in a deep place because I am someone who really likes to be right. I know I'm not alone in that, um, but I think things through. I do research, I reason, I read books, I listen to podcasts. I'm, I'm a thoughtful, intelligent person, which means I'm usually right about things. <laughs> Again, I, I, I suspect I'm not alone in feeling that way. So I spent the, the first 30 years of my life convinced that if, if I just slowly and carefully explained my reasoning to others, they would agree with me about, well, everything. Yet, it took me a while to embrace this idea that I'm here to get it right, not to be right. I have those words printed out and over my desk 
Not because I am a whiz at this, but because I need to be reminded of this on a daily basis. And getting it right is much more complicated than being right. Uh, it, it involves compassion and, and listening and paying attention to the limits of our own perspective and, and taking note of our own feelings and moods and the feelings and moods of others. Um, getting it right means putting the needs of the project above our own need to be right. Getting it right is not about silencing our own voice, but rather listening with the same passion that we feel about being heard. Because we're here to get it right, not to be right. Now, what happens after the parade, the events of Holy Week? This is a master class on getting it right. A master class taught by Jesus. After the parade, things get complicated. Things get rough. Things get real. Jesus is brought before the religious authorities. He's arrested. And um, he, um, his accusers um, produce all sorts of witnesses, some of them not particularly credible. Um, and when, when he is brought before Herod, finally, Jesus has this, this opportunity to respond to the charges that have been leveled against him. Now, we've all seen enough courtroom dramas to know that, that this is the moment when the innocent man eloquently pleads his case. This is the time for Jesus to show Herod that he's right, uh, to show his accusers that he is right, to show the world that he is right, to show us that he is right. So go ahead, Jesus. I mean, let him have it. <laughs> let it rip. Take them down. They deserve it. Make your case, Jesus. Use flawless reasoning or, or tell them a story, one of those stories you like to tell that will cleverly reveal to them that they are wrong and that you are right. But that's not what happens. Now, Jesus stands there. He, he just stands there. He, he says nothing. I wonder whether he's saying to himself over and over again, saying this silently to himself, I'm here to get it right, not to be right. I'm here to get it right, not to be right. But I so want him to respond. So maybe maybe he's not in the mood to talk, but, but surely th th this is the time. This is the time for Jesus to call upon God to save him, to, to call upon God to blast these petty bureaucrats into kingdom come. I want him to fight back because he is right. I want him to prove that he is right and to not be so weak and passive. But that's, that's the key word, passive. It comes from the same root that we get the word passion. This is Palm and Passion Sunday. Um, this is the week when Jesus is, is passive, when Jesus stops being a, an actor and instead is acted upon. Up until the parade, 
Jesus is a man of action, one who takes initiative. He is always doing things, traveling, comforting, teaching, speaking, confronting, encouraging, healing. But after the parade, all that ends. Jesus stops doing and begins trusting and waiting because he is there to get it right, not to be right. Does he know or, or does he just sense that the path to getting it right is to let go of control, to trust and wait? Let go of control, trust, and wait. Three of my least favorite things. And I know, I know I'm not alone in that. Um, I'm not alone in that. Um, I want to think of just one moment um, that happens in many of our lives. I, I know over, over the years, I, I've, I've had several opportunities to spend time with older folks who have been asked to stop driving. It's, it's usually, a, it's a son, a daughter, a, a nephew or niece or neighbor who, who makes this request. They're worried about failing eyesight, impaired hearing, a, a general slowing down of re reflexes. And so they gently ask the person in question if they are ready to give up driving. The thing is, no one is ever ready to do that because driving is what provides us with autonomy and freedom. I've never known anyone who's ready to give up all of that. No one makes this particular transition gracefully. It's hard. It's a huge loss, letting go of all that freedom and control, depending on others to get you where you need to go. None of us like to relinquish that kind of control. Sometimes it's so hard to get it right. But that's exactly what Jesus does that first Holy Week. He hands over his car keys. He relinquishes control of everything. He stops trying to manage his life and in an act of complete trust, he leans back and he falls into the arms of God. Holy Week is about putting it down, letting it go, and giving it all to God. Jesus is here to get it right, not to be right. In the, in the school of getting it right rather than being right. Um, we're in kindergarten. <laughs> I know for myself, pre-K, I think I'm in pre-K. Um, and Jesus, Jesus seems to have a PhD in this, um, which means that, that he can be our, our guide. Um, he can be the one who shows us the way. So this week, for us, Getting it right is as simple and as hard as paying attention. 
viewing this week as different, profoundly different from the other 51, um, as a week to stay awake, to pay attention. And above all, after the parade, this holy week, we walk as close to Jesus as we are able. We follow him as closely as we can bear. This week, we stick close to Jesus. Amen.